If you're joining us today for the first time, we're in this like really quick two-week Christmas series. And like Elise mentioned, today is our last gathering of 2022. We're going to take the next two weeks and just chill out. Um, and so to kind of catch you up, last week we had a guest in our house, uh, Pastor Matt Johnson, and he kicked off this uh, Christmas series called Heaven Sent. And the whole premise of this teaching series is to come back to the origins of Christmas, the origins of this Advent season. And so what Pastor Matt talked about last week, um, if you weren't with us last week, it's been a while since I've heard the word Satan said so many times. Um, And so, but we were kind of talking about like the cosmic reality of like good and evil, uh, God, Yahweh, and Satan, and how... um, even it, with the nativity scene, uh, with the advent, the advent of Christ, Satan himself, the enemy, didn't even know when and where really Christ was going to arrive. Sometimes as Christians, we just, we just assume that uh, the enemy just kind of knows everything. But Satan himself is a created being. He is not omniscient. Um, and so when we look at the scriptures, uh, the only time where uh, the enemy actually realizes who Jesus is being the son of God is at his baptism, where like there's this crazy like scene of the father like saying, this is my son whom I love. Like there's a dove that flies, you know, Holy Spirit vibes, you know, there's a lot going on. But right after that moment in Christ's life, what happens? The tempting of Jesus, right? Um, And when we look at the nativity scene, baby Jesus, um, the enemy didn't know exactly where. Obviously, uh, the enemy had the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, and so kind of had a bit of a window as to where and when, like the Isaiah would have have foreshadowed Bethlehem and kind of of when it was going to happen, but that's where we see all this kind of craziness that, that happens. Uh, of a fact that Pastor Matt shared with us last week, when we look at historical records, at that time of Jesus's birth was probably one of the highest, if not highest, um, I guess, frequencies of like recorded demonic activity um, because the enemy was on the move trying to find out where Jesus, where God himself was arriving, where he was coming. Um, and so we see kind of with King Herod, who will kind of we'll look at in the story today of like the nativity um, where he has this ridiculous like decree of killing all the males under two because the enemy didn't know where Jesus was. And so we were reminded of God's sovereignty and uh, his omniscience, omnipotence, um, which is, I guess, some, that's not a common word. Uh, like just like all-knowing kind of, all-knowing vibes is what, that's not the dictionary definition of that, but uh, if you search it, it's along those lines. Um, And so what the big idea last week was, as followers of Jesus, we are given the ability to understand. Uh, The enemy only had knowledge, and knowledge wasn't enough. God has given us understanding as his sons and daughters through his Holy Spirit, where we, in this Christmas season, know why Christmas is Christmas. Um, And when we think of our cultural moment today, where nothing but distraction, I think I mean, including myself at many times, most Christians, at least, we're probably more excited about the deals on Boxing Day than we are about celebrating Christ's birth. That's our cultural moment. We are just distracted. We are busy. We're getting ready for all the deals on Amazon. You know what I mean? Like, it's so hard to be rooted and reminded of why this season is what it is. Christmas has become a holiday because it ceased to become a holy day. And we'll kind of get into that 
today. And so what we're going to look at today is we're going to unpack what Pastor Matt talked about last week in this idea of understanding. We are given understanding uh, as followers of Jesus through the Holy Spirit to understand who God is. And we're going to look exactly at kind of the immediate nativity scene. Who actually knew? Because most people at that time had no idea when Jesus, God himself, was arriving. But there were a few people groups that knew about Jesus' birth. And so we're going to look at who knew and why. And so the people that knew, number one, were the shepherds. Shout out to the shepherds. Uh, There was a trio of magi, these wise men, as we've kind of become familiar to in the nativity story, and a man named Herod. And so we're going to look at the first group, the shepherds. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 2, 8 to 16, reading from the contemporary English version. Here's what it says. That night in the fields near Bethlehem, some shepherds were guarding their sheep. All at once an angel came down to them from the Lord, and the brightness of the Lord's glory flashed around them. The shepherds were frightened, but the angel said, Don't be afraid. I have good news for you, which will make everyone happy. This very day in King David's hometown, a Savior was born for you. He is Christ the Lord. You will know who he is because you will find him dressed in baby clothes and lying on a bed of hay. Suddenly, many other angels came down from heaven and joined in praising God. They said, praise God in heaven. Peace on earth to everyone who pleases God. After after the angels had left and gone back to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem and see what the Lord has told us about. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph, and they saw the baby lying on a bed of hay. Again, sometimes when we read the Bible, we forget that it is a historical book, and it happened at a certain point in human history. So there's so much context that we kind of forget. And in the first century context, the job of shepherding, of being a shepherd, was a lowly position in society. There was no respect on a shepherd's name at this time. And sometimes if you've grown up in a church culture, um, it's easy to romanticize the idea of shepherding because it's so common throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament. Like often, we're, you know, if someone's like, I don't know, very kind, we're like, man, you're such a shepherd, you know? But if, if like Dave said that to me in, in the first century, like, Jerry, you're such a shepherd, I would smack Dave so hard because that would have been disrespectful in the first century because shepherding was a, one of the lowest, if not lowest, positions in society. In fact, shepherds were not even allowed to give an account in court because their opinions mattered so little, if nothing at all. Their, their opinions, their voice meant nothing. And so why would the Lord, of all people, the arrival of God himself, why would the shepherds, these random shepherds in this random field, why do they get informed about Christ's birth? To the world, the shepherds were nobody. But here in this nativity scene, the shepherds were the highly esteemed recipients of the greatest news ever told. And this captures the heart of God. Like, this is the heart. This is who the God, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this is the God that we were worshiping this morning. All the song is about our God. And this is his character. And again, at this time, the esteemed rulers in this first century context had no idea that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has arrived. But in God's kingdom, good news comes to the peasants, 
not the rulers. God's grace and mercy comes to the lowly and not the elite. And sometimes in our Western culture, especially like being in a first world context, we forget about the the gift that it is to know what this Christmas season is about. It's about God coming to earth, coming to those who are marginalized, bringing joy to those who are weary and tired. And so for us now in the 21st context, what does it mean for us hearing this good news in this Christmas season? What does it mean for us and what are we going to do about it? For these shepherds, after hearing this good news, they did not just chill. They did something. They responded to the good news and they decided for themselves to go to Bethlehem and search for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Let's talk about the next group of people. Let's talk about the Magi, the wise men. I'm going to look at Matthew's gospel, 2, 1 to 12. When Jesus was born in the village of Bethlehem in Judea, Herod was king. During this time, some wise men from the east came to Jerusalem and said, Where is the child born to be king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard about this, he was worried, and so was everyone else in Jerusalem. Herod brought together the chief priests and the teachers of the law of Moses and asked them, Where will the Messiah be born? They told him, He will be born in Bethlehem, just as the prophet wrote. Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, you are very important among the towns of Judea. From your town will come a leader who will be like a shepherd for my people, Israel. Herod secretly called in the wise men and asked them when they had first seen the star. He told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, let me know. I also want to go and worship him. The wise men listened to what the king said and then left. And the star they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. They were thrilled and excited to see the star. When the men went into the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother, they knelt down and worshipped him. They took out their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh and gave them to him. Later they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, and they went back home by another road. The Magi, or often referred to as the wise men in the classic nativity season. Um, When I think of a nativity, sometimes I think about that Mr. Bean, and it's like super old, but that Mr. Bean episode where like Mr. Bean has like the, I don't know, how, I'm, I'm probably losing people anyways. Mr. Bean, shout out my guy, Mr. Bean. Um, but the Magi or the wise men, they were actually Gentile priests. Uh, the word Gentile is often referred to in the New Testament. Gentile simply means non-Jewish, or we can understand it as unchurched or non-Christians. That's Gentile, that's the word Gentile. And so for these wise men or Magi, they were Gentile priests priests. They didn't follow God. They did not worship God, Yahweh. They did not worship him. And so these wise men, these magi, these Gentile priests, they specialized in astrology, right? They studied the stars, and it was the star that led them to this place. And what we need to understand about, what we need to understand about the word magi is that in scripture, uh, particularly in the New Testament, is where we see this word magi. Uh, it's often, if not always, referred to in a negative context. The word magi is not a good thing. The root word in the Greek is magos. Magos? Magos. Anyone say Greek? Magos? Elise, yeah, magos. Magos. 
Magos. Magos. All right, Magos. Root word in Greek is Magos, which is the same root word used for Simon, the sorcerer found in Acts 8. Um, Simon, in, in this chapter in Acts 8, he was the one who tried to buy the Holy Spirit. Um, and so again, a negative context. But in the Greek, he would have been referred to with the same word that is representative of the Magi here. And so Matthew provides us with very little detail regarding these Magi, as I've kind of read. We don't know too much about them. But what we do know, again, is they are Gentile priests, because they come from the East, most likely Persia. And so they are not Jews. They are not followers of God. They did not worship God. But we see in this text that they do. They bring these gifts to baby Jesus. At this point, he would have actually probably been maybe two years old. Um, And so what we can assume from this kind of portion of scripture is that these Gentile priests, these magi, had access to the Old Testament scrolls. They have read these prophecies from these old prophets, and they were intrigued. And we can only assume that the Lord revealed to them this insight about Jesus, about Emmanuel, God with us, because they venture out, right? Because it's a little bit suspect for them to kind of venture out all this way to find this God that they seemingly wouldn't have believed unless they were given an understanding from the Spirit. And so after this revelation, whenever that was for these magi, these wise men, they didn't just chill, they did something. They responded and they made their way to Bethlehem. And like I mentioned, um, sometimes when we think of the, the, the nativity scene, we, we imagine the lamb and the manger and all these animals smiling and the shepherds. The Magi actually weren't there. Like, it was a long journey. And so by the time they actually arrive uh, in verse 11, we actually see that the Magi found the house. So by this time, Mary and Joseph saved enough for a down payment maybe and bought a little house in Beth. I don't, I don't know. But they clearly had a house. And that's where the wise men came, and they brought their gifts. And spoiler alert, what King Herod does is, well, I guess I kind of spoiled it earlier, but he issues this decree to find where this baby king, this king of kings and lord of lords was, um, to, to kill Jesus. And what Mary and Joseph probably did with these very expensive gifts, they probably used these gifts to finance their journey as they left, again, within the sovereignty of God. And so that leaves us one more person that knew about Christ's birth, and that was King Herod. And as we've read, King Herod finds out about the birth of Jesus through the wise men, through the Magi. And Herod, who was the king of uh, the Jews at this point in time, he was a Jew. And so he's part of the same ethnic group that Jesus was born into, the Jews, uh, which stems from the Israelites, God's chosen people. And so King Herod himself not only was a Jew, so same people group, he also had access to all of the scripture. So he had all the knowledge to be able to find out where the coming Messiah was going to be born. But ultimately, Herod does nothing. And even when he finds out, he still decides not to go. Again, like we read, it was the Lord who warned the Magi in that dream. Again, they studied astrology. It was the Lord who tells them, do not go back, because what King Herod was going to do is kill baby Jesus. And so they don't go back. They find another way to leave that land. 
And so we see in the narrative, when we continue reading, King Herod succumbs to his insecurity and rage and ultimately allows the enemy to move in his insecurity and mistrust. And that's where he decides to slaughter all of the males under the age of two. But why does Herod do this? A king, a Jew, supposedly a believer of the Lord. Why does he do this? Herod, of all people, should have come to worship Christ. He would have fit the exact profile, the right type of person, where it would have made sense, but he doesn't. Again, Herod may have had all the knowledge about the coming Messiah, but he did not have the understanding. Again, the understanding that is given by the Holy Spirit. And so what we see in Herod, we see in Satan, to reference last week's teaching. If you, did, if you weren't here, maybe just watch that. There's too much to unpack there, and I don't want to keep saying the word Satan. So Herod and the religious leaders clearly did not understand. They did not have a work of grace in their lives. Although they would have represented the Lord, the Lord was not present in their lives. And so what does all of this mean for us today, 2022, December 18th? What does all of this mean as we are in this Advent season? the birth of Jesus. What does it mean for us as Christians? Christmas Day is literally next Sunday. And, you know, including myself, I mean, I'm super pumped for this next avatar. Like, I'm excited to see what's going on with Jake Sully. But I think so many Christians are probably more excited to see what's up with Jake Sully than to actually reflect and meditate on Christ's birth. Like, I'm, I'm just as guilty, and I need to check my own heart to be like, what is this Christmas season for? Why are we even taking next week off? It's to be reminded, it's to rest, obviously, but to be reminded and encouraged of the fact that Christ has come. God himself has stepped into humanity. That's the whole reason why we gather. If Jesus was not who he said he was, if Jesus was not God, our faith would be completely meaningless. But Christ has come, and he has died for our sins, and he has defeated death, And in him and through him, we have a relationship with the Lord. Like I said earlier, Christmas isn't just a time off. Christmas isn't just a holiday. It's supposed to be a holy day. And in the same reverence that we have for Easter, um, aside, Siri knows, man. Christmas Day is December 25th. But for us as Christians, it's supposed to be a time where we celebrate the birth of Jesus. The coming Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, did not just like come through the clouds onto like a throne or whatever. He came in complete humility in some random feeding trough, which is a manger. That's the heart of God. He cares about every little detail about our lives. And so in this nativity story, there's a clear difference in people's understanding of the Messiah. We see that these shepherds, the lowliest in society had the understanding of who the Messiah was, and they did something about it. We see these essentially non-Christians have an understanding about the Messiah, and they did something about it. And we see King Herod. We can consider him a Christian in this context. He had the knowledge, but he did not have the understanding, and he did nothing about it. And so for us, as Christians, in this Christmas season, what are we going to do about the good news. 
that we know what Christmas is about. It's not just a holiday. It's not just a time where, again, it is fun and it is, it is great to get presents. And if you still sit on Santa's lap, that's cool. Like that is, if you're going to do it, now's the time. But as Christians, we do believe that there is a real meaning. That's why for us as a church to come back around the meaning, the origins of Christmas, the arrival of Jesus. And so as only read our teaching text, first glance, it's not the most nativity type of teaching text, but this plays into our understanding of the nativity scene. As she said, none of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. And so as followers of Jesus, as sons and daughters of the living God, our eyes have seen, our ears have heard, and our minds have been revealed to the understanding of the revelation of Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so what are we going to do about it? Are we going to just chill? Or are we going to respond to it and do something? I think in this Advent season, as even in our prayer moment, as Elise kind of prayed, like it is not the most splendid time of the year for a lot of people. But for us as followers of Jesus, we know that whatever our outward circumstances are, it doesn't change our inward reality of being deeply loved, by the creator of the universe. But not everyone knows that. And so what is God's plan to, to evangelize, to, to let people know about what God has done for them and how much God loves people? It's through us. It's through people. And just like in this nativity scene, not many people knew about the arrival of baby Jesus, God incarnate. But the Holy Spirit gave understanding. And as followers of Jesus, we have been given this understanding. And so as we take a couple weeks off, how are we going to bring God's love into the people around us? We got two weeks off, two Sundays off at least. What are we going to do with that time? How can we be God's hands and feet to the people around us? Maybe it's having people over. Maybe it's sending an encouraging text or maybe a typed out prayer as simple as it is, praying for you, I hope this season is relaxing or whatever. But when we allow God to actually move in our lives, in our hearts and minds, something happens. We know the good news. We know where our reality is. It is in Christ, but not everyone knows. But we do as followers of Jesus.